clears all food all the time. With your hosts, Honey LaFleur and JT Newman. Hi, Honey. Hi. Hi, JT. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. It's summer. Living the best life. Actually, honestly, living the big FOMO life, you know, like out here, I feel like it's at least maybe when I was young, but maybe it's because I was young and I was doing everything. But like when I lived in Chicago, I felt like there was less of a like, I need to do everything outside in the summer. Mm-hmm. Whereas here in the Pacific Northwest, it's like fucking get it while you can. Like this is our time to shine. <laughs> Hot feels so funny. Yeah, I was out walking the dogs today, and I was just feeling like, God, it's really going to be snowy in like four months. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Yeah, but I'm enjoying my summer. I think it's nice. So. Yeah. Uh, honey, who are you? What do you do? Hi, I'm Honey LaFleur. I, uh, I co-host this podcast with you as a reluctant foodie. Um, I am a performance artist, uh, dancer mostly. Um, and I think that has really informed how I handle food, like what I do with, or like lack thereof with food for sure. Interesting. Um, yeah, I queer artist. uh, you know, just trying to make moves and grooves in the world. Um, mostly just like really digging into this, like there is a story in every body and the more that you let your body express what's happening, the, the deeper the story gets. Um, and like what, what is happening to our world as we let our bodies kind of tell these stories. Super cool. And that means that you're a movement coach. Am I right? Yeah. Also a movement coach. Forgot about that. (laughs) That's okay. And I'm JT Newman. I am not a reluctant foodie. I'm actually a foodie foodie. Um, and I am a writer, uh, performer and a photographer, (laughs) photographer who likes to take pictures of food. And, um, I am an, a home chef is what I say. Um, Love. yeah. Cause I, um, have feelings about like feelings of, uh, it's that whole thing we talked about in our other podcast of, um, you know, having the imposter syndrome about chefness. So, um, Mom. Yeah. And I, I have pivoted a lot in my, in my lifetime, um, for professional money. I am a fundraiser, so I do fundraising Mm -hmm. in the arts and then, you know, I've done performance art, I've done movement, I have done, um, poetry, writing, all of the arts. Um, my master's is in interdisciplinary arts and media. So, and I host this podcast with you. Yay. Yeah. And we decided that um, after doing two um, guests that we should do a pod of introducing ourselves. Yeah. We really didn't, we really haven't had a discussion about food. We didn't have one on our old pod. And um, so we thought we would do that today. Yeah. It's time. Awesome. Let the people know who we are. Who are we? What are we doing? Who is this woman called Honey LaFleur? Yeah. 
yeah, definitely not a foodie. Um, I have never been the person to, you know, be super into food. Um, so like all these, I love the stories of people like, uh, bonding with families or like, like, I think that they're so sweet, but I do not understand them at all. Mm -hmm. Um, holidays like weren't like, I mean, there was food, but I, I don't connect with food. Like that is not, um, my love language really. Mm -hmm. Um, I will accept it as other people's love language, Mm -hmm. but like, it has never been mine. And it is not like, you know, I have a friend who really loves going to really nice restaurants, like pre pandemic. Right. And he, um, would take dates a lot. Like if he, when he was single, when he wasn't, he would take, you know, the girlfriends that he had, but, um, we've just been really good friends and I, he would sometimes take me and it was great, but I like, I'm like, it's really delicious food. Like, I don't know what else to say about it. Um, do you think that part of your, um, not connecting with food has to do with dance? Um, I mean, I think that like, you know, I was, so I grew up in ballet, right? Like, you know, this, um, really strict ballet school. Um, and then also, um, I did swimming for a long time. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I did, I, I started really young as a swimmer. Like I was one of those kids that they would just kind of toss in the pool (laughs) and babies can figure it out. Um, Mm -hmm. it's like a, you know, it's like a dog swimming kind of thing. They just sort of figure it out. Um, and I, I lived in Arizona when I was young and everyone had a pool. So you just like had to learn how to swim. Um, and so I did from a really young age. And I eventually, when I was like, I don't know, five or six had to pick between swimming or dance. Like there wasn't really, um, opportunity to do both of them. So I chose, but, uh, also as a swimmer, like even that young, they sort of saw a lot of ability in me. And so I was like on track to be a really serious swimmer, Mm -hmm. um, or a very serious dancer. And so I, I had to always be aware of what I was consuming or my parents did. My mom did at the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, food is always just kind of like this means to an end, I guess. I see. So more like fuel. Yeah. Just very, very much fuel. I I've always enjoyed food. Like I know, you know, I like, I, and I can articulate to a certain extent, like why I like a certain bit of food versus why I don't. Um, but like flavor profiles or like talking about it in a way that is interesting has never been something that, um, it's not that I don't think I can do it. It's that it's not on my radar, right? Like it's not what comes very naturally to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, and then, and then like, you know, even when I was a little older and I kind of stopped dancing for as seriously for a little bit, I kind of took a break. Um, I did volleyball, so I've always been very active. And so food has always been like a a fuel Mm -hmm. for things. Um, also sugar is a weird thing for me because I can never eat it. And so like when I finally could, it was like, I, and now I am a fucking sugar addict. (laughs) Um, candy is where it's at for me, sweet Mm -hmm. treats. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, 
I think like, you know, without getting, and we can always get into my eating disorder, like that's fine. Um, so, you know, if that is something upsetting to you, like, well, we can let you know in the show notes where like that's at just like for listeners, we can always pop in the show notes where it comes up, but like, it just, yeah, I like food has never been a love language. Like even now my partner and I, both of us don't really Mm-hmm. Um, get super into food. Like we'll go out and we'll enjoy really delicious meals, but um, it's more about the friend. Like we don't acknowledge food as like the thing that brings people together. Interesting. Interesting. You know, super cool. We are never the ones that bring the good snacks on like river days, hangout days. Like we bring, we'll grab a, a bag of chips at the store on the way. Like, we- mm-hmm. so um, why do this podcast? Uh, I mean, a, cause I love you and I like doing podcasts with you. Um, but also I do find food conversations very interesting, right? Like I, um, when I kind of like found podcasts, definitely like later in the game. I mean, I feel like I was really into podcasts, um, when they started coming out with like the, you know, the douchey NPR thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did always like the NPR, like weekly roundup of news kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but like, I don't know, maybe like five years ago, I started really getting into podcasts and that was when as a moneymaker, they were fairly new, Mm -hmm. right? Like they weren't this big phenomenon that they kind of are now. Um, and, uh, like, I think they've kind of taken over radio. Right. And before that, I think that they were sort of this, like in between kind of ambivalent, like, we're not sure what to do with this. Um, Totally. But I was really into um, podcasts like Racist Sandwich Mm -hmm. specifically. That was a big one for me. And I really found that like, oh, there is this really lovely story that people have behind food. And and I definitely enjoy being on the receiving end of people (laughs) making food for me. Mm -hmm. Um, There's got to be something there. I still haven't found it for me. And so maybe that's kind of what I'm like looking for in doing this podcast. So an exploration. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe there is like my story with food that I just like haven't found yet. I'm not fully convinced of that, but it feels like that's what draws me to talking about food. What was it like as a kid in your house for re? re Uh, I mean, so again, like little warning, uh, you know, abuse, like childhood trauma, um, lots of, lots of fighting, lots of yelling not a lot of like expressed love kind of thing. Like, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty like war zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also we were kind of like, I don't think we were, I never went without necessarily, mm-hmm. but there definitely was uh, a very obvious, like even from a young age, I knew that like, we did not, we were not comfortable. Mm-hmm. I got gotcha. Um, I never really went without anything, but I think there was a little bit of like a scarcity thing. Um, so the way that we can consume food might've been kind of different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, also my, my, neither one. So my mom nor her first husband were very big into food. Like food wasn't really delicious. <laughs> like I don't have like, I mean, my mom made like a jello cheesecake when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have zero interest in eating that anymore. I don't really enjoy cheesecake. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it's not like this thing that I like cling to or, you know, sure, it, sure, sure. Um, yeah. Like I remember chicken being really gross and bland. <laughs> like I still to this day, don't really enjoy chicken very much mm-hmm. pivoting because I'm boring. What made you want to do this podcast? Cause initially you and I were talking a lot about pop culture mm-hmm. um, and just queerness. So why, why uh, bring the pivot to food and queers? For me, I have um, a definite connection to food and I felt like, I mean, you know, from a practical standpoint that we needed a topic (laughs) um, that we, that it would might be easier for us to um, figure out what to talk about if we had a specific like channel or a specific, you know, kind of narrowing it down. Cause when you, when you, when you can talk about anything, what do you talk about? You know? Um, and for me, um, I grew up in a house where my dad was a chef. Um, he really, he was not a professional chef. He was a doctor, but he would, he was really into cooking when he met my mom. He's my stepdad. He adopted us when I was 16. And so he like came to, you know, came to the relationship with like the New York times cookbook and, you know, was trying to like cook us really fancy stuff all the time. And, you know, as a kid, my mom's very picky. And so we were all very picky when we met my dad. And so like, I can remember times where he would like make a beautiful French onion soup from scratch. And then we would like, you know, we'd be like, ew. Or he one time made like a giant Chinese buffet, like all, like a whole bunch of Chinese food from scratch, like bought the special ingredients. And, you know, he really enjoyed going to Treasure Island, which is a specialty grocery store in Chicago. Yeah. He lived around the corner from Treasure Island, the original one, that one on um, Halstead. Oh shit. I remember I used to go to that one. Yeah. In the seventies and eighties. So he, he lived around the corner from there. And, um, you know, he was just really into it and he's, he's a Jewish guy and for him in his culture, food is love. And so, you know, he really made it a priority for us to have dinner together every night, um, or as many nights as we could. And we had a specific time and then, you know, he would cook us dinner and that was like a thing. Um, he's pretty, he was pretty obsessed with food when I was growing up. So he sort of passed it on. Um, but also I started baking like really young. I think I must've gotten a, that easy bake oven, which was the little thing that had a light bulb in it that baked a cake, a teeny tiny cake. Um, in the movies that was super popular for, for girls to receive as a gift. And so I, I like ran through all the cake mixes and then I was like experimenting. Like I would put lifesavers in there or I would put like certs in there and see what would happen. Oh my God. Certs. Yeah. I, it's like really gross, but I like used to spit on the certs and then put them in and then they would like sort of get warm and soft. Yeah. (laughs) Really gnarly, but I don't know. I like was always interested in it. And, um, my grandma introduced me to Nancy drew books when I was a kid, mm-hmm. She's the, you know, Titian hair detective girl. 
And there was a Nancy Drew cookbook somebody gifted me and I was really into it. Um, They also gifted me a Betty Crocker junior cookbook. Hmm. So like when I got the Betty Crocker junior cookbook, I was probably about seven and me and my mom cooked dinner together. Okay. And it was really fun. So yeah, I started baking because I was bored. Um, my mom was at home a lot. She was a single mom. She was a nurse. And so she worked, um, afternoon and evening shifts. And so I was home with babysitters a lot. And I was also home alone a lot. So mm-hmm. again, we were like free range. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was an eighties kid and we were also pretty free. Like, you know, I was a latchkey kid from yeah. You know, fourth grade on, I was home by myself after school every day. So yeah. Yeah. So I started baking, like I like grabbed my mom's Betty Crocker cookbook and just started going through the cake section mm-hmm. and I made a ton of sponge cakes. Like I got really obsessed with it and I made sponge cake after sponge cake until I perfected it. And then I did angel food cake and I made those until I got up and down. And, um, I, the story is when my mom first brought my stepdad, my dad home, um, to meet us that, um, I baked popovers for him. Like I was like, you know, I, I had read all this shit in like the Nancy drew books and like the romance novels that a way to a man's heart was through his stomach. And so I wanted him to love us. And so I made him popovers, but I was so nervous that I burnt them. So (laughs) that is our, our, like, classic story but my dad thought it was so sweet that I made him popovers like he that I wanted to bake him something like it's super funny to me like as a feminist and as a non-binary person and somebody who doesn't like subscribe to gender roles as much like but I still was like food is love like yeah and just who knows where that came from you know yeah so yeah so and then I started cooking for groups um you know, I went away to college. I didn't know that much about food. And like, there were Mm -hmm. things that like, were just really basic things that I didn't know because of the Midwestern upbringing. So like, (laughs) for, you know, for a long time, I didn't know that garlic um, came in bulbs when my, Oh yeah. Cause we always had it in like salt or a powder, a shaker, shaker, right. Yeah. Or salt with salt. Mostly that's what we had our house. Mostly with salt. Yeah. And I, I remember my roommate said, I need some garlic this is in college. And I was like, where are you going? Cause she was walking towards produce. And I was like, where are you going? And she was like, I'm getting garlic. And I was like, what do you mean? We're what? And she like pulled this bulb out and I was like, what is that? And then I was like fascinated with garlic. I like did like a whole roasted garlic thing. And I started like, I got, I got a garlic cookbook out of the, out of the oh, wow. library and was like psyched about it. For my 21st birthday, I made um, deep fried garlic cloves. They were delicious. Ooh. And there's a funny story about that too. My friend Michael was eating them like um, like they were Cheetos or something. And uh-huh. I was like, Michael, what are you doing? They said, you just ate like 20 garlic cloves. And he was like, oh my God, Gene, I thought these were cauliflower. He was very gay. <laughs> yeah. And the next morning he woke up and his whole bedroom stunk like garlic. <laughs> he said his sheets, his clothes, everything smelled like garlic. Wow. Yeah. Cause garlic just like comes out of your pores. Yeah, it does. And he ate so much of it, like so fast. It was so funny. 
Yeah. So, and I started cooking for groups, um, probably around that time. Um, I started going to Unitarian conferences. Mm -hmm. Um, so Unitarian young adult conferences and at the Unitarian young adult conferences, we cooked for each other. Like we didn't like, we just would invade a church for a weekend, hang out, have a lock in cook for each other in the kitchen that was in the church. And I learned how to cook at those Unitarian conferences from my fellow conferees. Um, And then I did, um, I planned the Unitarian Universalist Young Adult Network's um, annual retreat, which was a week long. It was in Santa Cruz in the mountains. And I planned out very carefully all of the food. And so what I did was I planned food for a hundred for a week. And we did like uh, every other day we went to the farmer's market and got produce and like, just nobody told me that I couldn't do that. So I just thought I do it. And I just was multiplying recipes by, by 20 and like, you know, it was crazy. It was a crazy experiment. See, and that like, and that kind of stuff feels so fun to me. Right. Like the, and this, I think is part of why I'm so interested in like digging into this, like food, all of these food conversations with like as many people as possible is because like, I love the idea of it, but I also know myself well enough to know that like, that is never, Mm -hmm. like, I don't think it's ever going to be me because I've kind of tried to do it. Like I, um, like I also, definitely tried to like impress people I was dating, be it men or women, because I've dated a plethora of people. Like, you know, like I remember trying to like serve a boyfriend, like a dinner that I had made, like, I don't know, just like only in an apron or something, like something fucking ridiculous when I was in my early twenties. And like, I burnt it halfway through, like, it was like making quinoa burgers or something. And you were supposed to put a towel over the pot. And I like, fully lit the towel on fire because it was a gas range stove and like why wouldn't you do that like you know it's just like amazing and 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 also like I was never happy making any of that you know like it never it's like they never worked because I never enjoyed it yeah I mean I think there's a thing to that like I I remember cooking with one with one of my sort of dysfunctional exes Mm-hmm. And I would cook for her. And sometimes we would get drunk and get into fights while I was cooking. And whenever we would get drunk and get into a fight, the food wouldn't be good or I would fuck it up somehow. Like yeah. it wasn't because I wasn't trying. It just was like, I don't know. There's like a certain thing. I feel like there's some sort of like energy or magical field that comes, you know, that comes with cooking. Like when you really mm-hmm. care about it and you you're feeling happy and centered that it works out better. Yeah. I mean, and like, so I also feel like there is a certain like bit of queer magic, dare I say, that like comes into this idea of cooking. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, thoughts? It's not really mean? a question, but like. How do you mean? I just feel like the some of the best meals I've had have been with some of the like a lot of the queer people in my life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my very dear friend that will take me out to fancy restaurants, like he makes really good food. He's not really queer um, at all. He's pretty boring and hetero. <laughs> He's not really boring. That's unfair. But, but like, you know, but aside, like not just aside from him, like I know plenty of people that are straight that make really good meals, but I do think that like 
there is really something special about like queer people, like making food that, um, maybe it's the, and I think maybe I get more excited about it. And I don't know if it's the experimental nature of queers when it comes to food. Like, I don't know. I think there's like a very specific, like magic of anything that queers do. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's, because we've had to do things our own way, our whole lives. So like, there's always this, like doing it our own way. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess that's my like non-question question. question. (laughs) I mean, you know, I think you can't generalize queers, right. Cause queers are like, you know, the whole breadth, uh, depth and breadth of society, Mm -hmm. but I definitely feel like probably your experience with experiences with food and queers in Portland, you know, specifically probably, and this is what I love about food is that like, you know, it's, it's ability to bring together a community. And so like when you're in community with people and eating and, you know, people are, are caring and they want to like, put together something that is made with love and that is for their community. Like it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's part of the magic that you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm really interested in. Like, I really want to do dinners for the queer community. Yeah. That's my like kind of end game goal is to, to do, to like, take my background of, in events and that take my background in food and take my background in being queer <laughs> and, and put them all together and do pop-up dinners and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be really special. And yeah, definitely like there's, you know, when you are queer, you definitely, definitely is the word of the day, by the way, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the word definitely. And if you spell it wrong, it's defiantly, which oh. I used to do all the time, which is also queer. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, you know, there's, there's, um, there is a thing about, you know, stepping outside of what is average and normal, normal. I'm putting, right. air, I'm putting air quotes. Yeah. Like I think, and I think that that's really like the thing is like, you know, and I don't think that like queerness in general, like, I, I do think that like, there is this really interesting thing about like, no matter what like again air quotes like kind of queer you are Mm -hmm. there is this like interesting I think magic that comes with it Mm -hmm. I don't know I just think being queer is being magical I agree with you so let's just check that off yeah you know and I think I don't know I think that like sometimes this yeah yeah I just like I don't really know how else to articulate it in a way that makes sense to me other than just like there seems to be a really magical thing that happens with queerness and food and, and like the, the sort of ability to create really, um, really special things out of it. Um, kind of no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. I also like the piece of giving back to the community and the piece of, you know, elevating other voices that are marginalized and, Mm -hmm you know, taking, taking, um, food as an industry and breaking it down and and figuring out like, how can we adapt this for our own selves and, and Mm -hmm. how can we break this out of capitalism and like, put it, 
put it back into community, which is where I feel like it should be. I mean, for me, like those formative experiences um, with, you know, being in a spiritual community, Unitarian community with a bunch of people, and then, you know, taking different teams of people and cooking meals for each other was really special. And it was something that like, I was really into when I was planning this, this one week long retreat, I was like, you know, this is a very special thing. Like we are giving to each other. We're like making the food for each other. And it's, it's like kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so in speaking about like giving back or amplifying voices, like for you, like, I'm curious, right. Cause we talked to Rachel about a little bit about, I think like food justice was sort of at the root of that for her. It seems like of like being able to create really magical things for a community while also returning some of that to people that can't access that community for whatever right. reason. Right. Um, so, and for you, I'm curious what that kind of looks like and what like giving back looks like. Um, yeah. I'm not sure yet. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think amplifying voices of color would be important. I think that that's something that we need to be intentional about. My puppy just came in here and she's. My uh, puppy. Oh, she's so vocal. Vivi, what do you need? I know. I know. (laughs) Um, You know what? You know what? It's crazy time. You're being crazy. Hold on. I'm going to close my door. <laughs> she just wants to play. It's her time of night where she gets <laughs> So being intentional about bringing marginalized voices onto the pod, looking for people who are doing stuff that gives back to communities. Um, and also making sure we're, we're being responsible about um, being intentional about our representation. Mm-hmm. And for me, yeah. giving, giving back, you know, personally looks like, you know, supporting the, supporting the causes that are in the community that are under-resourced mm-hmm. and bringing my um, skills in fundraising to bear in that, in that genre of organization or community. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I think uh, again, like that, uh, that version of giving back when it comes to food is hard because I'm like, I don't know, buy canned food, like send canned food. Like, you know, I, I don't really make food in big quantities. Um, Portland is really cool in that there's a bunch of like free fridges everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, are y'all doing those? Yeah. They're kind of national. There's some free pantries, like some oh, of them cool. repurpose their libraries. Cool. Um, yeah. Free pantries in my neighborhood. And then I had, well, there was a community fridge in my apartment building in New York. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, and so I think like figuring out for me, like figuring out what I can bring to that mm-hmm. um, and trying to stay up on what is needed there, like mm-hmm. which, you know, like which items um, are needed. Mm-hmm. Um I also try to be very intentional about, like, I think one of the easiest things that people who consume just like basic everyday food can do is like, 
being intentional about what you're buying. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like one of the things during the, during the height of the pandemic, like I think we're very much still in it, but um, at kind of the beginning when grocery stores were running out of food um, was I bought the more expensive items because mm-hmm. I could. Um, mm-hmm. So keeping those wick food items like on the shelf so that people who were needing to pay mm-hmm. with food stamps could, could buy them. Um, and, and I think, you know, there are definitely bigger things to be done that will make more of an impact, but I think those are really small everyday things that like people didn't always think about. Right. And mm-hmm. so people would some like certain families would sometimes go without because, you know, they can't buy the food mm-hmm. that they need to, you know? So, um, I think just trying to stay as for me, like grassrooted as possible and sort of like small mutual aid acts as possible. Yep. Um, so that they really do make a difference in those, mm-hmm. in those moments. Um, and like, you know, and like for me thinking about where am I putting my dollars when I go out to eat or when I order out. So like ordering from the restaurant tamale boy over Porque No, which I really love both of them like a lot. And I miss Porque No, but like that's owned by white folks. Um, mm-hmm. They do a lot to take care of the people that work for them. So I think that either one is great, but like tamale boy is, um, uh, is it Peruvian? I'm going to hang on. I need to like also be accurate about it. Um, but it is authentic and it is owned and run by people that are from that culture and it is not appropriated much like Porcano actually is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that like, that has been really important to me mm-hmm. in, in doing things like that. Um, and really paying attention on, you know, on the, the way that people can reach out on social media to say like, where am I putting my money and where am I spending my dollars? Um, and like a big thing that happened here is a grocery store of ours called new seasons, which is similar to whole foods, but more local. Um, there's been a lot of like calling out of how they treat their workers and not giving them hazard pay. And so every time that I shop there, I fill out the survey and I always like say something about it just like as a customer saying like, I really hope you're giving your employees hazard pay and whether or not that does anything, it's like, I have to grocery shop somewhere. (laughs) Right. Sure. You know, so like your small actions are definitely more considered than I have been about grocery stuff because I'm a foodie because I'm like trying to like make specific things. Sure. I haven't paid attention. And I think that I could be a lot better about that. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's, it's hard. Like there, you know, so another friend of mine who does a cocktail business shops at a specific liquor store that turned out to be very like Trumpy and shitty. And, you know, everyone's like, fuck that liquor store. Um, but it's huge. It's like, a, I'm sure even bars source certain things from there mm-hmm. um, in the city. And now, and there has been another liquor store that has always been around, but it's like further out and a little trickier to get to. Um, but that's the one that people are like going to now. And I think that like, you know, when you need to get ingredients quickly and, and turn a profit, yeah. Right. Or, or just someone who is wanting to make a really good meal for yourself and you don't have all the, you know, unlimited financial resources, right? Like, what do you do? And I I think that, um, to me, it's about 
reminding yourself to be intentional and remembering that, you know, it's corporations that make the big Mm -hmm. uh, injustices, right? Uh, Much like how environmentalists are always reminding us, like, we could all stop driving, but we're not really going to make the impact that like a corporation just considering to turn off or like, you know, change energy sources. Would. So, so, um, so totally true. I said, so totally true. I mean, I feel like we could definitely make, um, make a point to try to find like, you know, where, where are the good, like the farms, the local farms in, in our, in our, you know, general vicinities or where are the queer owned farms or where mm-hmm. are the queer owned food producers that we could try to have on here and have and support. Yeah. I think that's, that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and, and that's, it's so, I love that you brought that up too. Oh, sorry. Um, sorry. Not my computer. I don't know how to turn up. Anyway. Um, it's, I'm glad that you said that because it's actually really easy to like, forget how easy that is here. Mm-hmm. in Portland like it really the environment kind of allows for that like the city is big enough and small enough and farms are very like farms Close. are kind of in the city almost yeah um there's a place called Savi Island that like is not technically Portland proper but like it doesn't take it takes like 30 minutes to drive there from where I'm at and like I can go any time of year and like get vegetables like fresh local like veggies or fruits Mm. from the farm it's harder Um, here for sure exactly and so so yeah I think just considering as much as possible like where we're getting all of that from and like you know for us I mean I think that's another thing that's really cool about Portland is it it is a lot of young folks so Mm -hmm. like millennials kind of and younger (laughs) for the most part and Mm -hmm. Social media is a really great way to spread information about like where to go and where not to spend your money. Um, yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, so cool. Yeah. I'm really excited about this. Me too. I'm, I'm so reignited so- about it. I was on fire about it all week, but you know, I know you've been on fire about it for sure. It's definitely like your realm more than mine. And I, I feel like I'm a little bit along for the ride. Um, mm-hmm. but also it is kind of exciting to like, consider it in a real way that isn't just, I'm listening to other people's stories. It's really forcing me to think about how I mm-hmm. show up with people, you know, and like, um, and how do I engage and, and will this change how I engage when food is involved? Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was just telling other friends, like Ferris, my partner was out of town for all of last week. And the only time that I ate actually like a real, like sit down meal um, that wasn't just like crackers and dip of any kind was when a friend came over and had made this amazing quinoa and like veggie salad with like, she brought like five different, like, you know, glass, like to go containers with each element in it. Yum. And like, that was the only, like, honestly real meal that I ate. Like I didn't even eat sandwiches. Like, it's not even like I went and bought or ordered food. I literally just like had crackers and dip. That's amazing. (laughs) You know, like that, I mean, that's my relationship to food. I mean, but that I do that too. Like my quick lunch is to roll up, um, string cheese with turkey slices I love that. that and an apple. Like, you know, it's not, yeah, it's, 
you know, it's about balance. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I think we should definitely look for some nonprofits and some voices of color to add to our lineup. Um, and yeah, definitely like food and justice organizations. I reached out to one. We'll see if okay. they get back to me. Yeah, I'll reach out. There's like a there's like a couple here, but a lot of them have like a media fee. So I'm trying to figure out which ones like might be willing to just come on here. Cool. Awesome. Well, next week we're going to have Greg O'Neill um, from Victory Cheese. He is a cheesemonger. Um, he used to be the owner of Pastoral, um, which was a, a cheese and food specialty foods market. Yeah. They closed a couple of years ago. All of them? All of them. Yeah. They Holy used to have three stores. Three. There was one in like Boys Town, mm-hmm. one downtown, and then one on the west side, right? There was one in Andersonville. There it is. And then they had a wine bar for a while that had food. That was on the west side, I think. No, it was no? Damn. the Lakeview one. Um, I've known Greg for a really long time. He's a great guy. And he um, was the president of the National Cheese Board, I think it's called, or the National Cheese Association. We'll have to ask him about it next week. But he is doing something where he is... Um, working with um uh small cheese producers to make sure that they don't go out of business after the pandemic so well we'll find out more about that and he is gay 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 so i'm i'm very excited about this i i remember pastoral was a uh, my friend who uh my friend greg who owned a restaurant for a little mm-hmm. bit um it closed i think it was while you were in new york but it was called like bluebird i think or something mm-hmm. um uh he worked at pastoral for a little while um i think it was after he worked at charlie trotter and then before he opened the restaurant but i i always loved pastoral as this like cute little it was just such a cute little like small town moment in a huge city for me totally and it it felt kind of cool yeah 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 i'm excited oh we need to do one for the jar and the glitter in the air oh yeah what do you got uh you know, for the jar, I don't really have much. <laughs> I had a pretty great week. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing really bugged me too much. Um, okay. Yeah. Glitter in the air. I don't know. I'm just having a good summer and I, I'm enjoying. Uh, I took Vivian, the puppy, to the Evanston dog park for the first time yesterday. And it was exciting. So yes. we are going to start going there, um, every morning to get her yeah out. Cause she's so, so hyper because she's puppy. <sighs> How about oh, you? I love that. Um, so my one for the jar is, is honestly the whole like Cuba thing. Um, I do think it ties really well into like our, you know, like food justice and things like that. So get your resources like to Cuba and remember that like, um, you know, I think there's a lot of like, uh, I don't necessarily think it's unnecessary, but there is a lot of like discrepancy about like where the fault lies for the whole Cuban thing. But remember that like the U S sanctions Cuba. So like, we really just need to get resources into the hands of people that can get things over there. Mm -hmm. Um, so really pay attention to like where things are going and who is taking it over. Like, you know, red cross, I would say probably not. Um, they're not great. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like smaller things. And I wouldn't be surprised I mean, this is, 
feels really funny to say, but like Bethany Frankel's Be Strong um, charity, she's actually, she gets shit done and she gets shit into the hands of people that need it. She always, like they always have. So that's one to maybe like pay attention to. I don't know if she's over there yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happened pretty soon. Um, also, there's plenty of other like mutual aid things down in like Miami that are trying mm-hmm. to like figure it out. So like, just keep an eye out. I don't necessarily have any to promote at the moment, but I will definitely send them to you as I find them. Um, but just remember that like that's happening and it's really horrible and more so than worrying about whether it's the fault of the Cuban government or the U S government, like just get resources Mm -hmm. over there. Um, totally. Yeah. And then my, uh, glitter in the air, I think is probably just going to be for, yeah, the summer I'm, I literally just wrote about like, uh, you know, summer such a FOMO time for me where I just like spread myself way too thin and it's happening, but I'm also having a great time. So, yay. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Oh, also I ordered a t-shirt that has frog and toad and it says be gay, do crime. And I love it. It's the baggiest thing I own. I <laughs> That's amazing. I now own two t-shirts. One that says, um, I may be old, but I saw all the cool bands. And then the other one is best period dog period dad period ever. I love that. Don't forget to follow us on iTunes or wherever you get this. We're on iTunes and then a a bunch of others. And you should also rate, review, and subscribe. Um, We're so excited to be bringing you this content. Say all the nice things. Okay, thanks. Bye. Our royalty-free theme is brought to you by Music for Video Library on YouTube. This has been an episode of Les Eat, produced by Honey LaFleur and JT Newman. You can find us on Instagram at Les Eat Pod. Thanks for listening and tune in again.